time travel. It's a bitch. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Wait, I'm just going to isolate that audio, and that's just, that's the whole episode. <laughs> that's all we have. That's really all we have to the say. The end. The end, guys. Hi, I'm Chelsea. I'm Abby. And I'm Paul, and welcome to 3D Beam Up. Today we are going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 28, The City on the Edge of Forever. So, Abby, you remember in, like, boy, 2015 or 2016 when you were guesting on a different podcast and, I, and we said, hey, we should do some TOS sometime. And then, like, two years later in 2018 <laughs> when we did that thing and recorded it. And then, like, two years later when we finally got around to mixing it. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and listeners got to hear our bonus episode. And we're a completely episode. different podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it only took us about four years yeah, to get that you know. one. Mixed and on air. Honestly, um, I'd kind of forgotten we'd even done it for a while. And then... <laughs> yep. And we chose this episode because, boy, City on the Edge of Forever is the greatest a very nice episode. episode, possibly, of all time. That's interesting. <laughs> well, because it's a different strategy than what we picked when we saw, when we tried to do the podcast of the three of us, right? We purposely picked a bad episode. No, we didn't. Well, this was always just meant to be a bonus oh no we, we randomly pulled we ran, yeah we randomly did that oh we did yeah yeah before so. we we've randomly we just put it back in yeah put it back in we've randomly done episodes like the whole time oh i didn't that was the whole remember. deal chelsea yeah but i didn't remember we did that and we just Cat's got pod. weirdly lucky on um where no man has gone before that one was like yeah crazy lucky. Yeah, we we've had a couple of those that have been second really pilot. timely yeah, boy, we got all the racist ones out of the way. Well, yeah, I was like, good luck with that. <laughs> we got a few of the racist ones out of the way in a row, but yeah, that there's was nice. more. There's always there's more. more. But this episode, while it does have a terrible racist moment, is still the greatest episode. It's fantastic. This one's so. This one, right? I mean, we talked about this last time, but um, boy, the, the racism in this one is interesting because it is less about. Right, it's less about 60s racism. It's more about 60s looking back at 30s and the sort of xenophobia, the, the lots of xenophobia that was present in the 30s during the yes, Great Depression. True. Um, which is much, much more present in Harlan or Ellison's original script, script right? Mm-hmm. Which we also talked about. But yeah, at least it's a little better. I yeah, think, yeah, it's, saying, it is better. Look at the... this bad 30s times yeah but it is obviously terrible when when the policeman shows up and kirk is like my friend is obviously chinese and i'm just like what uh, (laughs) yep yep (laughs) it's still amusing when spock's like and the obvious accident i had (laughs) yeah he's yeah Uh, i loved that they're like we need to come up with a story and kirk's like uh and spock's like childhood accent come on man like (laughs) this isn't that hard (laughs) and then the plastic surgeon that was yeah yeah Um, the missionary plastic surgeon i'm gonna take a quick jaunt to costume corner really quick right there since that was the scene where they stole clothes let me get there Um, okay and um boy but one of the thoughts you always have is like, 
oh boy, I hope I hope those don't fit exactly right. <laughs> but they actually, do. In Harlan, but they do. In Harlan Ellison's uh, original notes, he has a note and he says, please, four times. He has a script note that says, please, please, please don't have them be tailored clothing. That always looks so fake. Have them be like a size big or small. <laughs> and that was... Completely um, ignored. Ignored. Not, Summarily They did not listen ignored. to that script note. Because those are tailored Yes, pants. they are. They not look all great, like, though. Fit them. Like, most humans on this planet do not have clothes as tailored as those are it's to true. those But people. they look fantastic. When Spock, like, they look, tucks they, in his shirt. Perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, this is a perfectly tailored pair of pants yeah, sure. for Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> These, These are probably Leonard Nimoy's <laughs> pants. He probably just brought them from home. Um... <laughs> It's so true. It's possible. But but if we want to stay in costume corner, Joan Collins's outfits are so Fantastic. great in this. Oh yeah, it's they're so yeah. good. They're her clothes are amazing. Like they're actually pretty well period placed, which I am always surprised by whenever they do period clothing correctly. <laughs> well, I think the '30s is a time they actually would have had access to more resources and a better idea, especially on a backlot. Exactly. You know, yeah, like a, yeah, for a sure. Major production studio is doing historical pieces so for sure yeah, yeah definitely but it was just i i kept every scene just going like her clothes are so good i want all of them i want to wear them today <laughs> especially yep. that cape at the oh, end that, that cape, cape is so oh, yeah. good well that's a plot point right so there's um in the original drafts right the guardians of forever are they give the clues not they don't just say like go back and then they find the newspapers but it's like the i think a sky blue or something like it's a blue cape that was part of the clues mm. and like a brooch a, a sun brooch uh and then even her name which was originally like kessler was changed to keeler because then their other clue is key like so but it's like a weird wacky puzzle that they have to unravel <laughs> instead of weird news clip but I, that is one thing with this i i am never a hundred percent sure how spock figures it out but I'm kind of okay with it because it's like he makes a machine, out, you know, out so, of stone knives and bearskins, and it works, and he <laughs> figures it out, and it's all good. I think that that prop, <laughs> like, so that computer the, prop, is a great prop, by the way. Yeah, yeah it is. that is. Um, I think the read on it is that he starts recording what's being shown in the Guardian before McCoy goes through. That's how they know when he yep, went through, right? right. And so these, like, you know, however many frames per second, again, we talked about frame-perfect tricks on this before. Actually, we talked about it in, in this one, but um, he sees this clip, and that's the clip of Edith Keeler killed, right? Um, and then McCoy goes through, and he's still recording um, with this now altered past and gets the clip of Edith Keeler, like, meets with FDR and stuff. Um, okay, that makes sense. So he has the pre-McCoy timeline, yeah. the regular timeline recordings, and then he also has the post Which post means I didn't know why, I, I picked up on that too, and I didn't know why he didn't immediately understand that the first one was the way it was supposed to go, and then the second one was the altered one, because it seemed to like confuse him, but obviously chronologically, that's what would have made sense, yeah. right? I think it was, this is, this is not something that was in the original right, right? So I think this was one of these like sloppy rewrites. Um they kind of brush over it, right? This got a ton of rewrites. Mm. Um, from a very, very, very good story to a very, very good story. Again, we talked about that in our other, that like this is one of the rare, rare Star Trek episodes that um, didn't get ruined. starts out really good. Well, didn't yeah. DC Fontaine rewrite it? 
Oh yeah, yeah she did among, a lot of like, among others. Many but people, yeah. right? She so, did like, the most. You get the you get Harlan's original story outline, then you get his revised story, then you get a second revised draft teleplay, revised draft teleplay, final draft teleplay, then Karabatsos takes over and, and drafts another teleplay. Ellison redrafts that. Gene Kuhn redrafts that. Then again. Then DC Fontana. Then Kuhn. Then, uh, then Ellison. Then Ellison. Then Roddenberry. Then Kuhn and Roddenberry. And then they film. <laughs> it's like, Just to make things wow. super complicated. And yeah, I don't no, know I mean, how something goes through that many rewrites and ends up being this good, frankly. Like, it just doesn't, it makes almost no sense. Well, for months, like, they actually work together and built on one another instead of, like, working against each other. Uh, some of it, yes, some of it, no, right? A lot of the original um, Ellison stuff is changed very heavily. Yeah, I only... To the point um, where he wanted, to the point where he didn't want credit. I know. Yeah, I, like, I read that. And, and some of his stuff, like... So McCoy is not at all in his original script, right? And McCoy is like one of the most shoehorned parts in the final. Um, Beckwith is in the original, right? Which um, we talked about last time, but is a drug dealer on the Enterprise, space drugs. And um, it's very problematic for that, right? From a Roddenberry standpoint, Roddenberry says nobody that's on the Enterprise could do anything wrong. Um, But the reason they're chasing him is uh, he has like a few crewmen addicted um, and one of them is like, hey, look, I'm turning you in. And so Beckwith is like, no, you're not, and murders him. Um, and then he's fleeing, gets the, the transporter and goes, or no, he put, gets put on trial. That's right. In the original screenplay, he gets put on trial and they're going to uh, maroon him on this planet. That's his punishment. Um, they find an empty planet and they're just going to maroon him there. And then like, that's his penalty for murder. And that's why they're going down the first time. But Yeah, I, um, I don't think McCoy's really, I don't think it came across as shoehorn. Um, I think this opening is great. Um, and we don't see another opening or even like a really another plot point like this in TOS where like you have to think that like accidents happen and they don't dwell a lot on accidents happening in TOS the way they do, especially in later series. And yeah, something like this is completely plausible. Like McCoy done messed yeah. up because the ship took a lurch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, again, that's to the point of like, even after all these rewrites, it's not, it's not, I shouldn't have said shoehorned. It's maybe like the weakest thread of the plot, um, but it still works. Oh, yeah. Right? It still works and it is still like pretty. Well, and clean. it's still hilarious where it's like, um, you were about to make a medical comment, Jim. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, oops, I stabbed myself. Ow. <laughs> bridge shake, bridge shake. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh, God. Maybe the, maybe the comment he was going to make was maybe you shouldn't just like hold a knife in your hands, <laughs> pointing at your stomach. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that comment, but <laughs> maybe the the maybe the the fasten seatbelt light is on, and you should be a little more careful. Uh, can I just say once McCoy. again that they should have seatbelts one more time? <laughs> yes. I know I say that like every three episodes, but like that would have prevented so many things. Yep, yep. Um, also, yeah, but oh, I th- sorry, I was gonna say for a doctor, oh, Bone go. sure knows how to like karate chop people in conjos. <laughs> yeah, and again. It's McCoy filling in for someone who right. has just committed murder. <laughs> so right? in that so point, yeah, a lot of these script points, a exactly. lot of these script points that because I think originally in the original screenplay he's going to for trial, and then in like a rewrite he's trying to escape, um, and then that's where then McCoy gets rewritten into that and is trying to escape. But to your point, I but, think it's interesting. So how he's ranting, McCoy. And he's running about killing them and mm-hmm. stuff. I think that's great because that's how you actually know he's super compromised. Like the doctor 
would never be ranting sure. about killing people. But again, that's probably from the first draft, as you're saying, where it would actually make sense for... Well, and it fits a lot better here, too, with McCoy, because, you know, I often critique these episodes where somebody is, you know, space-possessed or whatever, <laughs> and then they don't wink at the camera, right. right? They don't wink at the audience at all, and you're like, wait, and we're st we've had scenes exactly. where we're like, wait, was Kirk being controlled in that scene or not? And we have no definitive right. answer. And very clearly, it's like, oh, yeah, Mc McCoy's done... Stamp himself with high. some. He's super high. <laughs> uh, he is just great makeup too. And they say they say to, yeah, they set it up and they say like, boy, it's gonna be like paranoia and stuff. And then that's, that's what, what he, it is. You know, Abby, did so. you uh, like that makeup? That red eyeshadow all over his face. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, why he gets high? I'm not sure, but it's it's weird. I don't. I didn't early on. It's not so bad when he's just kind of like ringed around the eyes and he's paler. Like that's not so bad. But once he gets like the splotches, I'm just like, why though? Yeah. But why? What's that episode? Oh, it's the Nancy episode. It's the similar makeup of that episode. Yeah, it is. Similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think the the pale and the sweat, right? I think are good. Um, sort of beats on that, but yeah, the splotches are like, he must also be allergic Whenever to this Whenever I thing. see sweat in TOS, I'm always like, that's disgusting and way too much, and I just have to remember that they were using those small black and white TVs, and it was probably like <laughs> the right amount of stage sweat for that. But, I mean, he also, we want this to be over the top, right? He just like, they said, he took a hundred doses. A hundred times yeah. the dosage, yeah. right? He like, he like, Super the fact OD that he's not dead this. is, is pretty shocking. Yeah. Although they're so like real bad fever. about catching him, man. They're like, oh yeah, <laughs> like computer, stop, stop. Yeah, lock this, him um... in. Like just like yeah. contain him. They can lock doors. Like it was yeah, so right. that part. Like I know it's setting up the plot, and so he can escape and whatever. Yeah. But it's also like, like is there no way to like contain him on the ship? Like this seems. I mean, and why is the transporter officer? The transporter officer is also working with his back to the door. Yeah. Which, why? And why is there no security yeah. and, in the transporter room? And he's also working on putting a position on the planet to be beamed to, apparently. Because McCoy, all he has to do is turn it on. And I also didn't did not think you could self-teleport, right? I don't right? think you like, can. Yeah, I didn't think you could either. Yeah, so, so they gloss over that, but I'm, I'm okay um, with that. It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter. They get down to the planet. And With a lot of red shirts, shirts, by the way. Yeah, yeah, lots yeah. Four, of I guess, including Uhura. Yeah, yeah. But... and Scotty. But yeah, and Scotty. Yeah, why Scotty? No one there? knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's a mystery. But they get down to the sassiest guardian of forever. <laughs> I love boy the okay. guardian of forever and, so much. I want. And we I want him to be my right? friend. We talked about this in the other, but. But in original writing, this was, they were the guardians of forever, right? These were actual actors. Oh, um, I know that. These were timeless, timeless elders in this city, right? So the original city is this city that they zoom in, they uh, get, beam down, and then the city is in the distance on like a mountain that they hike to. Um, and then it's like, this is where the temporal anomalies are. These are like hmm. immortal beings that guard time. Oh. Um, and they have this conversation with them and then that's where they could have right again the guardian arch is just like so much a jerk it's seriously um, it's so mean <laughs> it's so mean and spock's just like i mean i think this is what's happening it's like oh uh, yeah idiot that's totally what's happening your science your science, your science is bad <laughs> i love it i brought this up last time too but i love the beat that is 
He says, um, you know, I've existed for 10,000 centuries before your star burned hot, which that does, does not, not line up. That does not make sense. But also that, like, I am my own beginning and my own end. And then they're like, could you slow down the pictures? Like, I was not programmed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, Be a little more consistent. He's such a jerk. He's such... It's such a jerk. I do kind of love the Guardian of Forever, but he's such a jerk. Well, and the look Um, Spock gives him with Spock's, like, raised eyebrows, like... Oh, yeah. Spock's (laughs) reaction shots to the Guardian of Forever are great. It's it's worth... Seriously, man? Like, why are you being mean? I don't think this is necessary. So I will say... So I, I will say I plugged this on um, the other episode we were just talking about, but um, a lot of so in in Memory Alpha they, there's a paragraph that's talking about like the original Ellison story and all of that, blah blah blah. Um, I guess there's a few paragraphs, um, but I would highly recommend right Harlan Ellison. Um, you could find original City on the Edge of Forever uh, on. I mean I brought it on Kindle, but you could find the original um, paperback. I'm sure. I'm sure. That has like all these iterations of the script, um, but also a ton of these commentary pieces that were done by um, uh, DeForest Kelly did one, DC Fontana did one, I think one of the set guys did one, like Harlan Ellison I think did one, but a ton of these people that had to rewrite that talked about the rewrite. And one of them is one of these uh, set design people who got the the original script, even the script that I think Kuhn turned in... um, it called for rune stones, R-U-N-E stones. <laughs> and like the main set design guy was sick. And so the second in command set guy like got this note, had no idea what it means. And by his own admission had been drinking a bit <laughs> and went to the dictionary and was like, oh, I guess they meant runes, R-U-I-N. Ruins. Um, And so he was like, well, you know, we got some like rune... Uh, Roman Grecian columns. Oh that must be what they meant. <laughs> so it was not meant to be a ruined like landscape. It was meant to be like a city, and the, they were meant to be rune stones that were on the the guardian um, in that draft. And this guy just got it wrong, and they were like, "Well, we're not we're not, not redoing, redoing that." It. Well, it's already the most expensive episode in season one, so yeah. yeah. Honestly, so I they were like, I, "I guess." No, it's well, fine. it works because it, totally you've fine. seen it this way, but yeah. I, yeah. And again, it goes back to this original draft of like it's supposed to be active, living guardians of forever. Well, but and um, I read in memory of I think or somewhere some paragraph that it was like the person yeah so, like people hated the guardian they hated like the the, the design of it and they like looked at it rocket. and they were just like what is this <laughs> but I actually kind of liked it. I don't know I liked the mist effect the mist smoke screen I do like the. I do like that effect, but he was not supposed to be surrounded by. No, no, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's well, that part doesn't really make sense. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, it's fine. It's It's fine. fine. Like I think it's because you don't spend that much time there. Like it's it works. It's fine. So. Yeah, it's one of those we like. We don't make mistakes here. We make happy accidents. (laughs) Let's run with it. Uh, We're out of money. Let's just make this happen. Yep. Happy little trees. um, So. I guess there's no trees. Yeah. Are they uh, on the planet when? So like when the Enterprise disappears and stuff because McCoy goes back. Are they protected because they're like the guardian shields them? They're at the center. No, I think they're there. Center of a temporal anomaly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So because so they They don't don't dwell on it, but. Okay, I see. All right, that's what I was thinking too. In the original, 
Right, in the original draft, I think there is a note that the Guardians exist outside of time, right? Which would be consistent with a lot of these... So like, this little area exists outside the, of time, we can um, presume. And they've been tracking these, like, huge time bubbles and temporal anomalies, okay. so yeah. The jump that, like, there's a... The, the Guardian's projecting, like, a temporal anomaly around itself in which time does not change. Because the Guardian shouldn't change, right? The Guardian should be protected from someone going back in time and destroying the Guardian. Um which would, I guess, stop that. Yeah. But <laughs> I do wonder if the, what was where was my note? It, it, oh yeah, it was when they were talking about originally when they were just seeing the guardian and figuring out what it was, and they're like, "Hey, maybe we can go back a day and fix yeah. that, make sure this hacks, say this accident never happened." And I was like, "Would you really want to fix something like this that seems to be relatively fixable with like right. sick bay?" To with time travel, like that seems very irresponsible. <laughs> right. It is though. It is nice that Kirk picks up on that so fast. Usually, they're looking at a piece of like advanced tech, and they're like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> um, and to be like, Oh, could we use this in our immediate circumstances yeah, to fix I McCoy? Agree. That was smart thinking. Um, well, except for don't mess with time, man. <laughs> don't. I would love it. that episode though too. Right. right? That That's a fun the, episode. The temporal prime where they show up great. on the bridge. They show up on the bridge two hours ago, and they're there, and they're there, and then they say, hey, we have to fix this, but they screw up something else. Right. And, and then it's a they loop. Have to keep it's a time jumping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they get that into this, great. like, because Kirk had this idea that he was going to go back and fix it, no, and then they screw up great. everything. And then, and then consequently, like, the temporal prime directive is established. In the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, I just... Simple. I don't think solving simple problems with time travel is ever a good idea. <laughs> Just no. Saying. But it's a great idea for it an is. episode. Yes, that it is. is. Yes. But still. So, um, <laughs> I didn't pick up on this the first time I watched this, did, but I did the second time. I was always wondering how they got back from the 30s. I didn't realize that, that the <sighs> Guardian of Forever told them that if they're successful, yeah. uh, the Guardian would just return them, like, instantly. It'll be like none of them had ever gone. And... Yeah, which is it weird. was weird, but I actually think it's brilliant to not dwell on it, right? He's just like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. This is a problem. Yeah, sure. like, yeah. If they stopped and said, well, when is like when would you bring McCoy back? Like, is McCoy just why didn't McCoy get that deal? I don't know because right? he went through too fast. <laughs> you know, he didn't listen to the Eula. Um, <laughs> I do like that they're st- while they're sitting there and Kirk and Spock are about to jump through. I do like that they they make contingency plans where they're like if. You know, wait an amount of time. Exactly. If we don't come back, you have to go try. Like I, I do, but, I did like that. But they don't leave Spock's tricorder that has the moment no, that they need to Uhura, jump back in. Uhura has her tricorder and she starts it running when they go. Okay, so she's also yeah, recording. She's okay. also oh, recording. I didn't see so, yeah. that. That's brilliant, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, yeah, so she's she's recording. She is. Okay, uh, about She's wearing a black belt in this episode. I don't know if you guys saw that. Sorry to jump to like costume corner, but it's in this time. I don't think she wears a black belt in, like, any other episode, but it looks great, and I kind of want one for my TOS costume. Huh. Yeah, it's, really? like, right around the middle of the way, one of those 60s, like, high-waisted yeah. no, belts. I think I, I think that's the way I usually envision that costume, so maybe I've just watched this episode <laughs> more than I've watched most episodes that, that doesn't exist in, but, huh, yeah. I think it looks, yeah, it's a good costuming bit. I enjoy that whenever they go to the past, Kirk is always so happy because he's such a history nerd. I know. Like, it's, he's always it's a great part so, of him. He's always so pleased when they go to the past. 
Except he doesn't know who Clark Gable is. Well, Which is a nat- neither he wasn't in neither the should the rest neither should the rest of America at in nineteen thirty. Yeah, that's but what I thought. <laughs> he was not a household name in nineteen thirty, but yeah. okay. It's he not- had put out films. We um, look at this. Yeah. But they were small but, films. Yeah, small he films. was not a like it wasn't a like, oh you don't it know. It wasn't thirty six. Bones, yeah. you don't know who Clark Gable is? What's wrong with you? I'm like, no, that he wouldn't probably, and neither would you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it gets the point across. I mean, yep. yes, it does, but it's just kind of like I'm like you couldn't have found like somebody else. <laughs> there wasn't some someone else. You couldn't have seen what movies were out in 1930 and like picked one. <laughs> well, I loved it. <laughs> not not many is the short answer. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, I mean not it's not many. a great but yeah, not funding no. time for the arts, right? <laughs> like 1930 in particular, there's not a lot. But I love it when they jump back, and because we have, we know all of, like, Trek history, um, like, um, they get transported, like, practically right in the middle of the street, and they jump in front of that traffic, and it's, like, the exact same scene that they use in Space Whales. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, the Um, cars yell at them and swear at them, and they almost get hit. Um, I wonder if that's deliberate. It's also, the set is almost, uh, I mean... The set is Southern California set, yeah. right? Even though they're going for New York in February. Um, that it looks so much like the uh, Return of the Archon set. Yeah, the, really. Um, yeah. It's probably the same story, yeah, but um, they use that set too much. And, <laughs> um, I don't think they tie it down a ton, right? It is supposed to be New York, but they don't like hard. Oh, anchor is it to supposed it. to be New York? I think they would have been. Yeah, oh. I think there's a passing note at some point, and that got rewritten. Uh, the original draft, it was Chicago, and then it was less clear, and then it was New York, and then it was less clear. But I think they should have just leaned in, leaned in and said Los Angeles or, or San yeah, Francisco I mean, or something like honest, that. To be honest, like, they ask her so many times, and there's so many opportunities, and she never says, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like, she's asked, like, six yeah, times. Yeah, there... Well, because McCoy's like, the question I should ask is, where am I? But I'm not going to ask it. Well, but it's so McCoy, though, to just be like, you know what? I know things are weird, and I just, I don't want to know. I'm fine. I don't care right now. (laughs) Do you have a drink? Yeah. Um, (laughs) A mint julep, if you could. Speaking of, I think that uh, since Bones references drinking, I don't know if we want to count that for this episode, but I think it's something to consider. He talks about hitting the bottle hardcore. He would if he had an opportunity, but I don't think he has the opportunity. He didn't, unfortunately. Um, especially in a mission run by Edith Keeler. Oh my god, which, um, did you guys see in the credits? I didn't realize this the first, or like the many times I watched it either. It says Sister Edith Keeler in the credits. She's running a mission. So, But if she's, so if she's a nun... <laughs> No, she wouldn't be a nun. It wouldn't be. Yeah, what's what is that? What's? I think that would just be kind of like a, it was. I think if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, things like um, it's kind of like in the Salvation Army, they also have kind of a hierarchy oh. of structure. Like I think it's it's a similar thing. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy. I love Edith Keeler as a character oh so very much. Can she's we jump so there? Smart. Yes, thank you. She, yeah, let's go. Because she is so incredibly smart. She does not take Kirk and Spock's bullshit ever. Or like, McCoy. She's just like no. Yeah, or McCoy. She's just like no. We're not doing this. I'm. I. You're whatever. Like. 
I love it so much. She's the best. She, but she's also, she's so compassionate. She's kind. She's optimistic. Mm. She's caring of others. She's just like this wonderful person who's who's just, she's, ah, she's like one of the best love so, interests of Kirk of all time. So one of the, um, I think it's an Ellison draft because it has the Guardians of Forever still. Um, one of them, like, I think it's Kirk. Even um, he's trying to negotiate with the Guardians, I think, if I remember right. But there is a line of, like, can I not just bring her back with me to the future? Like, mm, she'll still right, be out of the right. timeline, essentially. Right? He's trying to play uh, Back to the Future 3. Which is, I mean, um, that actually checks out, right? Uh, which works they do it in space fine in Back to the Future 3. <laughs> Great. Um, Let's just point that. Do they bring, yeah, they bring her back. Oh, yeah. Kirk's love interest goes to right? the future for the whales. Okay, so they they took that. <laughs> this note is there. literally the movie um, Space Whales. Oh, that's right, because yeah, 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 that's right. Um, it is very space whaley. Um, but yeah, that was the original beat of him being asked, and the Guardians were like, "No." <laughs> I also um, I like her and Kirk's relationship, which is probably one of his healthiest relationships. I didn't I didn't know what yeah, you guys were yeah. gonna say about that, but like how he treats her, how they like how they treat each other, how they look and talk to each other, like they're like true partners. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that means in the context of he knows that he is going to have to let her go. <laughs> well, um, that that that's at the end. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah, that's fair. Speaking of that, like you know, you guys know, I hate the plot device of when a woman has to die for the plot. Nothing. To, yeah, it's obviously dumb and pisses me off. Well, but, but at the same time, right? And and this shows more in earlier drafts, but she's painted as like. This linchpin it's, in and time. And that's what I like about it's it. Like, okay, yeah. but that she's like this singular focus that like time can diverge here based on her actions. Right, she's um, not just she, a plot device. Like she was yeah. going to do this great thing that turned into a terrible yep. thing. Um, and yep. they hardly ever let women have that role, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, know that this can't yeah. be really considered bridging i think because it, it's not really it's not to motivate another character her death isn't to motivate somebody else's actions it really is her death is because the world will end if she does if she doesn't die right <laughs> yeah exactly which is horrible i mean kirk has to make a horrible oh yeah and when choice. it finally happens at the end of the episode yeah. where she gets run over by the car it is devastating it is he can't yeah, he can't even I cried. look at her. Like he can't even look back to see what has. Ha- it's it's it's, it's some really great good. It's acting because it was it was devastating. His acting, Nimoy's and Bones are they're all on right there. Oh yeah, all three of them are. Yeah, um, we talked about that. So I know Abby's stance on this, but in Harlan Ellison's original draft, um, Kirk couldn't do it. Um, Spock had to step in and stop him. Kirk tried to stop McCoy and then couldn't. And so Spock steps in and stops McCoy. Um, and so Chelsea, that uh, I'm, I'm interested in how you think that, how you like that read on. I don't, I don't that like works it. As well. No, because I think it has to be Kirk <laughs> uh, for for several yeah. reasons. Like it, this has to be his white whale, like his thing he has to overcome. And we have to set up Kirk as being willing to put duty and sacrifice above everything in his personal life, which is a recurring theme for like the rest of the series and all the movies. I think that's more or less yeah. what Abby said last time yeah. she was asked two years ago. Um, but yeah, it's not as um, strong because like it's neither the many the outweigh the needs of the one or the few. Yeah, exactly. On the other hand, yeah, if we if this was going to be the one woman, that would have been something really powerful. And of all the women he's ever with, 
I would say this is the one that maybe I could believe that the most for that he was willing. But I just I just don't think that Kirk ever, even for like, even if he was so in love he couldn't see straight, would sacrifice that many millions of lives for one person. Because he wouldn't do it for Spock, right? And Spock is his one true love. So. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's a few things that also got cut out uh, of that original script. The, one of the other big things is this, like, after that, there is a scene um, where Spock visits Kirk in his quarters and has oh, this conversation. Yeah. Um, and they have this back and forth of, like, um, that, that Spock sees his sadness uh, and they so they go back and forth a bunch of times. That, that stayed in the drafts for quite a while. Um, I forget who wrote that out, but um, I think that would be interesting too. But I also do like the ending of this of just let's get the hell I out agree. of here. Um, is... Yeah. I like that it just kind of ends. Like I like, I think it's a very good ending because you really are, you just have Edith Keeler dying and then they get back. And he's just like, we're done. And, and I, I like that ending a lot. I think it's really powerful because it doesn't, it doesn't let you see how they deal with the aftermath. It just kind of, it's lets almost, you kind of it's almost one of these it. where if they had more continuity in the series, it would almost be a good cold open for the next week of like Kirk still dwelling on this. Yeah, and he was like drinking um, or in his room, depressed. Or, I think I, I think I brought it up last. I did bring it up last time. I know I did, but um, if, if, if Kirk had been able to take something with him too um the parallel i used was um picard's flute oh, from yeah, inner um, light that it's not that that picard like talks about the flute all the time it's that he has it and he has and that he memento it, yeah. and you and you know that like he still thinks about it so anytime like someone's in his quarters and like the flute is there he doesn't have to be playing it to know that like this is something he still carries with him um, so if Kirk, if Kirk had been able to, you know, get something, if like McCoy reached out and tried to save her and like grabbed her brooch or something, and that's what Kirk, and then McCoy gave that to him after he realized what had happened, yeah. um, that would have been something nice from a continuity standpoint, but obviously they don't do that. No, not a thing <laughs> in TOS. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to your earlier point though, Chelsea, um, the idea, and, and yours too, Abby, that like, Edith is this linchpin in history. Another big thing that got writ, uh, written out um, after Ellison's drafts was um, there's the guy who um, McCoy first runs into, right? Um, oh, the bum that vaporizes himself, which mm-hmm. I love. I think that's fantastic. I do like that that um, theme of it because, well, there's other things that play from that. But that character originally um, was a disabled war veteran. Um, um, who had a lot more story elements, um, and from World War One is a, I presume. Um, it would have to be yes, who would have been a World War One veteran, um, and who is uh, also homeless, right? Also out there, um, but who sacrifices his life and his who who is killed by someone? I think it. It's Beckwith, right? Because Beckwith's still in the story. Is trying to shoot Spock and Kirk, and he like throws himself in front of the phaser, uh, and oh. is killed. But Beckwith gets away. Um, and when they get back the first time, they talk about like Keeler is so important to the timeline, and they say everything was is exactly the same way it was. Uh, right. And Kirk has a line of like, "What about Trooper? Like he died. Was he not important to the timeline?" And the Guardians say something along the lines of like, "Not enough." Wow. Um, and like they struggle with that of like that's not 
that's not good enough. Like he mattered. Um, but then it sets up this contrast with Edith as well of um, these differences. But there was this other theme about like war veterans and all these sorts of things that um, was also a good, good, that was probably one of the better parts that got pulled out of Ellison's writing. Some of the stuff, it's like, I could see why that got rewritten, but I think that would have been a good one to have in there. Yeah, I do love that whole scene. Though. I love it when McCoy comes back. I like the, the, the milk oh, person. Yeah. I like the um, bum, like, dropping the milk. I like it when he dissolves himself, because yep. then you get a little idea as to, like, just the beginning of the dangers of time travel, right? Well, and, yeah, it, uh, yeah, the idea that, like, as soon as... It, it's very much a prime directory sort right. of... Prime Directory, the, the, telephone, the place where you look for all the telephone numbers you need. Um, prime directory. Space, phone um, book. <laughs> um, it, it has a lot of Prime Directive beats because um, it's this picture that is why you don't give less advanced species advanced no. tech. Um, because as soon as like they beam down and they're like, oh, cool, this advanced race has time travel. Let's use it. And they wipe out their whole history. And as soon as uh, they get down there and this guy finds a um, phaser, he's like, oh, cool, what's this? And he immediately vaporizes yeah. himself. And the phaser, um, too. There is a, like... Yeah, it's like there's a there's a theme there that they could have hit on and been like, that's why we prime directed. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> well, McCoy doesn't know, right? He's unconscious. And speaking of, that's like some of the best acting of DeForest Kelly and him like... Yeah, that seems great. Him yeah, talking about like does. the hospital yeah. and like people being sewn up and then like he starts crying and you're like, you are just fantastic. You rarely get to see his acting ability. Yeah. It's one of those where like, I really would have loved the Beckwith uh, art to still be in there, but McCoy does fit in there well. Um, oh yeah, I think he's... Having not really <laughs> known about the alternative script, I didn't even notice that he might have been like awkwardly placed in. Yeah, I think I, I think you would really love reading some of these early scripts. <laughs> I'm sure I would. You pick those yeah. up. But, um, it's a long. It's I mean it's a, a it's hefty. It's cheap too, <laughs> but um, uh. yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of rewrites that this script saw. It is a lot of rewrites. Yeah, that checked out. Um, do you want to talk about some of the amazing? Uh, and this seems like DC Fontana rewrites, although I could be wrong. Some of the amazing Kirk Spock interactions and banter, <laughs> <laughs> like where Spock asks, good asks for five, six pounds of platinum, and Kirk just looks yeah. at him, <laughs> and he's like, "I spent our five dollars on." But it's stuff, like fifty so. cents, so we can eat. <laughs> well, they were getting uh, what. 10 cents an hour yeah, yeah. for 10 yeah, hour right, days yeah. for both of them. It was a few bucks, but, but yeah, Kirk has a line of like, you're not getting any gold or silver or platinum. Like, <laughs> or what, we can't yeah. afford it. <laughs> when yeah. Kirk calls him human and he says that he hardly believes insults are within his prerogative as his commanding officer. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's some really good lines in, in this about with Kirk and Spock and it's just like, uh, and the whole, the whole stone knives and bearskins thing, oh especially when Edith comes in and like sees the like equipment and goes, what? <laughs> and, he's just, and he's just like, it's fine. I'm just, I'm trying to build the impossible and it's fine. And she's just like, you know what? I don't want to know. Let's, she's she's let's just go. like, let's go. She's like, let's go to the movies, you know? Yeah. She's like, you know what? It's, I don't care. <laughs> this is too much. I'm out. Yeah. This, 
this one got rewritten a bunch, and it's unclear, like, what the, what, why he needs to build all this stuff, since the tricorder's working fine, right? Yeah. It's, that the tricorder... Yeah, is it to slow it, it down? So he could... I don't know that it was to slow it down. I think it was to kind of so, enhance it a little and make it simpler. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure. That's kind of what I got. So, okay. Uh, the original scripting is that, um, or this is actually several rewrites in, but that the tricorder usually, like, they would say computer analyze and like pull data from the tricorder but they don't have the enterprise computer to analyze the data and th i think they even use that dumb language where they're like compute tell us what's important <laughs> um and so they don't have a supercomputer they just have the tricorder that's the original scripting yeah, I mean, of it kind of makes sense um, because like if they got lucky that, they... that it was edith right <laughs> yeah but they need the computer to tell them and so that's the that's the sort of conceit of this that that Spock is able to build a computer that is more powerful than the tricorder, which is almost certainly not the case, <laughs> um, right? Because if they were back in the '30s, and even if they just had like phones, like '90s phones, Spock probably couldn't build that from scratch in a few days. Yeah, um, I mean it's like it's several so, weeks, but but still, uh, they could they only get a week, right? This is again they. Uh, he says they have about a week before. Oh, I thought that yeah, he have... said that, but then it ended up taking more time. No, because it took him three days to do that, and he said that it would take about another, but I think they're only there for about a week. Yeah, right? it's oh, a week, week okay. and a half. They aren't there that long. Because they, they give this, Spock says, we could, I could probably get us down to a month, a week if we're lucky, to sort of foreshadow that, like, they got lucky. Mm. Um, but I don't think they're super clear on it. But No, it's not, it's not a super clear timeline, but it doesn't. It doesn't really matter because it's just because <laughs> they get there before bones, so everything's fine. They they figure and it they out. Get back right when they left. Yeah. So. Yep. And it's it's like no time has passed at all, but so much happened. Also, Spock apparently knows how to pick lots. <laughs> That's not out of character for Spock. No, he knows all sorts of things. I love he has that weird scene. habits. He has some weird hobbies. It all works out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like um, uh, Bones' scene with, with Edith when I he's starting too. to feel better and they're they're talking about things and I think that's a really, they have a really great interaction and a really great chemistry together. I think it's a really sweet scene. I agree and it's really healthy and it's not like sexualized as like yeah, female no, scenes not, often are. It's not creepy. It's not, it's it's great. It is it is so lovely and they're just kind of a little bit jokey but also like it's gonna like, be okay. Like they would have been yeah, good know, friends gonna... if, if yeah, they had continued. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. It, it was just, it was a lovely scene and I really enjoyed it. That because I don't believe in you either is his line. Yeah. And then later on, that I have decided you at least are real. <laughs> Not so sure about the rest of this, but you are probably real. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's good times. <laughs> this is great. I also love all the Kirk Spock. Um, as you guys know, I'm always looking for that. Um, but you this line about how... Uh, you'll at his side as you've always been as if you've always been there and always will be and i also love the scene where uh kirk admits his love for edith and it's i believe i'm in love with edith keeler spock looks at him edith must die <laughs> yeah i i i classic would would kirk say that 
I don't the know. Problem I ha- the only problem I have, I'm like, would he actually admit to being in love with Edith? I, not, I don't I'm know. Yeah. I think it's powerful that this is, to my knowledge, I think this is the only woman in TOS he says he's in love with, right? Well, he loves in the Paradise Syndrome. He loves his wife, I think. Uh, but I'm not sure he says yeah, it. He's amnesiac, so. Yeah, so that doesn't really count. And yeah. he's in his right mind here. And... I yeah, I don't know. It's, kind of it's, nice. it's yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's it's a sad scene because you can see on Spock's face, he's like, oh no, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's no. Go so we've talked about this before. He's gonna have to make Kirk forget, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, crap, I'm gonna have to like mind meld with you again. Like your mind's like jelly by now. <laughs> Swiss cheese, gotta make Swiss cheese. <laughs> Oh, that's classic. No, oh. I'm just gonna wax eloquent on like basically how much I love this episode and how it's the best episode. So, <laughs> Abby, Abby, is there anything you want to say that you haven't? Um, no, I love this episode. It is my favorite. It is the best episode. It is still so moving and lovely. And every time I watch it, yeah. it's like the first time I watch it, and I love it. It is. It is one of those that is probably a testament to all the rewrites that. Um, there are a lot of these good bits that got cut, like really, really good parts that got cut right. out of this. And if it had been, if they had been able to film a longer episode, if they weren't bound by, you know, the time, um, they probably would have kept some of those. But I, I think that is why a lot of this is so tightly written, um, because they kept focusing down and focusing down and just keeping in the parts that they were like, these are the main story beats that we want, mm-hmm. so... It's fantastic. It's just surprising that Gene Roddenberry did that. Right? <laughs> so instead true. of adding a whole bunch he of things. He tends to overwrite. You know. Yeah. yeah. But, but a lot of other people got their mitzies on it, which is... Yeah, DC Fontana got there. Um, she, I mean, obviously did a lot of work. Gene Alcoon. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't even mentioned this. A Pevney um, directed. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene mm-hmm. Alcoon produced. Um, Harlan Ellison <laughs> written. Like, that's, that's very like pretty, hard to, to yeah, screw up. It's hard to beat. Yeah, because the direction was also very, very good here. We've, oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's we've well been talking directed. our way around it. Yeah. But very In addition well to the yeah. top-notch acting, really, by everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a great episode. <laughs> yeah. We're all in agreement. Yeah. You really can't beat this. No. Not in, not in TOS, that's for sure. Well. Whatever. Anyway. Let's play some bingo. No, wait. we got to rank our villain, right? Wait, which do yeah. we do first? I, yeah, this one. What is the villain in this? It's time uh, travel. I've thought a lot it's, about it's time this. Travel. Is it time travel again? It is. So I think it's. Why do you do? So I think I, I'm going to pitch a few, and I'm not a hundred percent on it. Um, but I think in almost the like chaotic neutral way, the Guardian of Forever is the antagonist, right? Yes. He's this. Like Loki or Puck, you know, he's sitting there like, hey, why don't you try out this thing that I have? <laughs> and it'll be fun. Um, and just, he doesn't care. I'm gendering the Guardian Forever. The Guardian Forever doesn't care um, if you go back in time and erase your history, right? It doesn't care if you go back in time and like make sure everybody gets ice cream. Um, super chaotic, neutral, just like have fun with it. it monkey paw sort of okay. stuff, right? That you're probably going to screw it up. But the Guardian is not trying to help them. He's not trying to hurt them. No, he's, he's, just having he's fun neutral. And you're right. Chaotic. Chaotic neutral. Um, and so I think that is an antagonist here. When it's 
the early rites and its actual like creatures that are still communicating with them throughout this and pointing them in different directions, maybe more so, but I don't know. That's a read. So I don't know if that... I, I mean, I'm fine it, with that. But... So the question is, is it above our number one antagonist of time travel or below? <sighs> and I think it's above because I think the Guardian's actually way more dangerous and like way more crap, horrible things happen just from this one interaction with it. So the potential is actually a lot worse here. And, act- and not... Not just the potential, but what actually happens is way worse. I still think the antagonist for this is time travel. And I think we just kind of add to the top where it's it almost like does the a sub. Is, yeah, it's like tomorrow is yesterday and sitting on the edge of forever. Time travel is the antagonist and it is the most devastating. <laughs> well, so the trick travel. would be, the trick would be, so I could, I think I can make an argument for putting this above or below. I think the trick would be that this is, um, and maybe it comes through in earlier rites stronger, like this planet is a place where like the time, ugh, like flux of time and all of this like meet. This is a central okay. pivot of time in the galaxy. Sure. Um, and so the read here, and that's what the Guardian kind of, what we talked about, that, that Keeler, that Edith Keeler is this linchpin event. Uh, and it's not that, like in Tomorrow's Yesterday, they get sent back to just some random day, and then they screw things up. Um, it's that the Guardian sends them to these places that are already fragile. Um, and so the Guardian is, again, in this very chaotic, neutral way, being like, ooh, here's a place where, <laughs> you know, essentially the, putting you into a china shop with a bat. But does and, the like, Guardian really have, like, because the Guardian didn't, like, ask mccoy to jump into the time stream like he just kind of sure. and i don't i didn't find the guardian like encouraging them to mess with time he was just kind of explaining this sure. is what i do like i i i i see the time i see the guardian of forever more very neutral not chaotic or anything just very neutral sure true neutral neutral yeah. um i would say the trick is that maybe he the, the guardian is showing linchpin events that's what right? i would yeah. thought there wasn't that's, a... that i could see there wasn't a, a picture in there of like some guy on a Tuesday sitting in a coffee shop, just like browsing the internet, right? you know, or the equivalency. Um, and they go back and they're like, wow, this is a really boring day in a boring city. And uh, yeah, nothing happens. we could kind of do anything we want here and nothing is going to happen. Um, so there is that idea that the guardian, whether intentional or not, whether um, malicious or not, has a focused beam on linchpin events in the time stream. And for that reason, I would put him above time travel. So that would be my argument of going above. I think to Abby's point, though, you're right, that you could say, well, all it is is a type of time travel, so it goes below time travel, time travel, parentheses, guardian of forever. I don't feel super strongly either way, but yeah. We're all in agreement that it's basically the top of this list, though, right? It's, it's above or below time travel, yeah. And it's because it's basically the same thing. Yeah. It's a form of time travel. I, are we saying it's a more focused, more dangerous That version, would be my vote. Or it's... Yeah, I'm kind of leaning there, too, that... So, but, I mean, it's time travel. All right, put it in. Guys, we got our most dangerous antagonist <laughs> this week. And that might... St- Dick, right? Yeah. Um, that really might yeah, stick. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're about. Well, I think time travel through. is always going to be really high because time travel is dangerous. Yeah. 
Let's play bingo. Let's play bingo. So I'm going to toss out a, a postulate here. Um, that this is one of the most watched episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and so a lot of these things that happen in this episode, like Kirk falling in love or, um, like McCoy saying, I'm, I'm a doctor, not a psychiatrist. Um, and you know, all this, that, that sort of banter between Kirk and Spock that we see in other places, but is pronounced here, right? This is one of those episodes that drives that prototypical feel of what a Star Trek episode is. Um, and so by virtue of that, it has a lot of tropes. Right? It has some, but perhaps not as many as I would have thought. I mean, Uhura's in it, Sulu's in it. Um, Scotty's in it. Spock probably says fascinating at some point. Uh, they time travel. Um, their communications don't work, right? Um, There's a captain's log they... without a star date. Captain's log, yeah. yeah There's probably um, a recurring actor, yeah. but maybe not. I was wondering about that. I was wondering about some of the, the extras on the bridge, um, but Abby will tell us. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a decent number of things in here. Earth history is referenced, obviously. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be one of these where, like, you know, we've had this a bunch of times where we have 50 and then it had to be Klingons or Romulans or something. That's never <laughs> yeah, and we did through, get but... time travel, which we have needed before. But I'm going to still yeah, say so, no, because I just don't think there were that many. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I have a few clarifiers. Um, so mm, I think I know what one of them is, but possibly um, space powers like Guardian of Forever. Total, oh, space, total powers. space powers. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is powers. the yeah. definition. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. Uh, Although I love again, <laughs> let me just say I do absolutely love that in one out of one side of its mouth, the, the Guardian says, "I'm super powerful. I am my own creator," <laughs> and then the next. When they said, like, can you do this one thing? You're like, oh, no, we're definitely, <laughs> definitely not. That's definitely Sorry, not Sorry, I can't slow down. I can't slow down images, guys. Slow Let's down. not be unreasonable. Cannot slow Let's down. Let's not get crazy. Like, whoa, whoa, back it up. Um. <laughs> it's true. Um, all right, uh, then a historic figure shows up. Do we count, like, the newsreel footage? Yeah, FDR. As kind of a historic. FDR shows well, up. Well, FDR and Hitler. Hitler kind of is there. Yeah. Like, but they aren't characters. It's not like when they're Lincoln shows up. They're not in costume. Right. But it's, it doesn't matter because the, the language oh. just shows up. I thought you were going a different way with that. I was going to... The argument I thought you were going to make is in this canon is Edith Keeler a historical figure? Because well, in the Prime Universe... Well. In the Prime right. Universe that is created by McCoy going back. She is a historical the, 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 the second tier universe, right, is she is a hugely important person in that time stream. But it doesn't matter because yes, FDR and Hitler show up and that's the language. But they're not yeah. char- but they're not actor characters, well, which is not, Yeah, but what does your language say? Historic figure shows Abraham up. Abraham Lincoln shows, shows up. up and talks to you, right? Not our characters. So they show up. Well, but that's not I I mm. You guys I, can't I, argue one week that like the language is what we're going to be basing it on, and then change your minds the next week. Yes, I can. No, no, Watch we've, me. we've, Watch we've me never do had that. <laughs> we've never we've never had that square used for something that wasn't like Abraham Lincoln shows right. up in a chair exactly. on the view screen. I don't like, think that's and that's usually true. and we usually count it with like you know somebody from Vulcan's past shows up, somebody from Earth's past shows up. We don't often count it as. Um, Has that ever happened though outside of the Savage Curtain? I don't know. 
I don't know. Or is Savage Curtain like the the only episode where that would? There are so few episodes that. with historic characters referenced. I mean, and like Hitler was shown in the news. Yeah, but it's Savage Curtain, right? It's Savage Curtain is the only one I can think of. Um, yeah. I think I'm strongly for Chelsea is convincing me just a little bit past the 50% mark. Preponderance. That's all I need here. <laughs> yeah, and I think the 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 fact that there's also that secondary argument that in this other timeline Edith Keeler is a historical figure. Yeah. She I definitely think that's enough would. to get me across right. the finish line. That's fine. I don't I I I have no strong feelings. Do you have more um, clarifiers? I do. Uh so mm-hmm. Scotty and his engines. That's the one I was really thinking early about. Really early on. He does and there's not a lot about it, but he does like kind of reference like I uh, love that. Says, like, the nacelles, I, I, the nacelles, the nacelles won't, won't yeah. take cannot take much, much more, more of this. I love it. I love that we have identified the fact that <laughs> he always has codes and he never says the thing we want him to say. He says these codes. <laughs> and, and it's he, really close. He could have been time. written to say the engines can't t-. if his line there was the engines can't take more of this, we would have said, Yeah, that fits. <laughs> But he says it this other way. <laughs> and that is now, we have said that is the spirit of that square. Okay. So yes. So yeah. All right. That's cool. <laughs> that makes me um, really happy. We should, what we should be, what we should be creating is a list of all the times Scotty doesn't say the engines can't take this. <laughs> but he says something But he similar. says it some he other way. So all his. <laughs> um, and then my last clarifier. So Bones has the line, I'm a surgeon, not a psychiatrist. Is that close enough to I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer? I think so. Whatever. But you know me. <laughs> yeah, I've I've fought Chelsea on this that it does have to be pretty precise, and I think this one is again in the spirit of it. Okay. Because I'm a doctor. He is saying Sorry, I'm a yeah. type yeah. of doctor, a... not a type of some non-doctor. <laughs> um, the the times I have fought against it in the other times I think have been where he just says I'm not yeah, a yeah, yeah. blank yeah. without saying I'm a doctor right. not a and he even gets that smirky so, little look on his face like he knows he's doing a cliche yeah he does he know like kind of yeah. looks he knows that he... <laughs> that's fine I can get behind it it's cool um, I guess the only we can have arguments for is there a Kirk speech when he's talking about like the someday our a hundred years from now, two hundred years from now, I love that part. We'll write a book and blah 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 blah. Is that a Kirk speech? It depends how we define I, Kirk I speech. I don't know. I uh, yeah. I, I I debated whether even to bring this up, but why not? <laughs> you know me. I'm always Boy, in a... favor of giving us squares. <laughs> Do you know what that makes me realize? Is that like. A whole bunch of Kirk speeches got written out of this episode. Probably true. Because I was like, "Wait, what about that?" I'm like, "Oh no, that's a di- no." Oh, it's just no. in your mind. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, like I, I, I'm having trouble separating out all the like prior drafts, but um, no, there were a lot of drafted Kirk speeches in this. Wow, and they all got cut. Um, <laughs> is there not one at all? There's really not. He doesn't have any. Like the there's the time he talks becomes. to Edith. Yeah, yeah the closest he comes is that conversation with Edith where... He's waxing um, poetic on the future. Yeah. That, I'm not sure. I think I... I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean... I mean, he's telling her about the future. He's painting an optimistic... The camera zooms in on does. him, right? 
he's painting. Is there soft music? Uh, probably. I think there is. It might be diegetic. I think those are my checkboxes. <laughs> Zoom in, soft music. <laughs> but I will say, guys, while we're on this point, that not having a Kirk speech at the end is way more powerful in this instance. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, some of these Kirk speeches that got written out of him in the quarters have some, like, super powerful really? lines in them. Again, I've got to read these. They don't... you got to read these, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I had one in here. Actually, I talked about it in the the, the bonus episode we had up. Um, what I, that I quote a bunch of these, but, like, he has a long Kirk speech at the end that is, like, very good. Um, and a lot of it is about Trooper, uh, right? Which got written out. Once you have, once you write Beck without, you have to write Trooper out, essentially. So, gotcha. um, yeah, like, it is a brutal, brutally oh, good Kirk speech at the end there. But <laughs> Any more clarifiers? Okay, well, well that, is, that ends clarifiers. Okay, that was a lot that we just gained, so now I kind of want to change my vote, but... <laughs> Too bad, Chelsea. It has been and we already had We already had Sulu and Uhura Oh, and I looked it up. Spock did say fascinating. Bridge shake and Spock saying fascinating. And, uh, Vulcan neck pinch, right? When he says, you know, we've got something on yep. your shirt. He Vulcan neck pinched, police officer. Mm-hmm. And, and McCoy. Hit us, Abby. And McCoy. Oh, oh yeah. We and are McCoy. one... One away. Damn it. One away. At least I'm victorious. Abby, we needed, this table. We needed, uh, we needed weapons to not work, and then it would have been... But the weapons actually worked specifically. <laughs> they worked specifically. Yeah, the weapons were um, perfectly fine. There were... There were... There are quite a few, um, and I, I think I agree with Paul. It was, this is such a foundational episode of Trek. I think a lot of them even kind of come from this episode. And we do have several, like, that weren't on the sheet. So, like, the bridge shakes, the away team's trapped on the planet, Spock saying fascinating. Like, those are... They, they, they weren't on the sheet. this time. Okay. But yeah, but we have time travel, recurring actor, Vulcan neck pinch, Captain's log, um, space powers, Kirk makes out with someone, ancient Earth history is referenced. Absolutely. And then all the ones we talked about. So like there were a bunch. Um, it's just well, we needed one more. We needed one more. And it was one that specifically totally worked <laughs> in the episode. Yep. So. Yeah, because if it had been communicators, yeah. there was an it argument could be there. Argument. Yeah, but no, but like, was, oh, the communicators didn't nothing. work. I would have argued for that hard. Well, no, but Scotty specifically said, like, Uhura says, this isn't working. I can't get the right. ship. And then Kirk takes him and Scotty holds his up and he says, they're working fine. But, it, has but a line the point that, like, for, as a plot fine, device, the ship's not it, there. they don't work. Yeah, but I would have argued on that one. Well, too. we would have fought to <laughs> the I'm death. I'm glad I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's see. Well, we can only go downhill from here, you guys. It's true. So let's see what. I don't know. We could get Spock's brain. I hope it's Spock's, Spock's brain. Brains. That would just be great. I agree with you, Paul. <laughs> the juxtaposition would be pretty 100%, good. 100%, <laughs> guys. I'd be into that. Let, but let's find out what we're watching next time. Oh my let's gosh. see. Let's see. Oh, I'm so excited. What is it? <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Um, Trouble with Troubles. I mean, I hope it's not too... We don't burn two such good ones right away. Um, We've put in our time, Paul. We deserve another good one. We've already done Devil in the Dark. Boy, what else is left out there for... That Abby would be this happy. (laughs) It's gotta be Troubles. It is Troubles! (laughs) Holy cow. I knew it. Did you we're see the way I called that? <laughs> to protect Abby, us. Abby, were those like stuck together or something? 
to protect a space station with a vital grain shipment. Kirk must deal with Federation bureaucrats, a Klingon battle cruiser, and a peddler who sells furry, purring, hungry little creatures as pets. Yes. Okay, we at least... We still have Space Seed out there. Yeah, Space so Seed is still out there. It's still out there. <laughs> There's at least one more. And probably a few others that I'm forgetting about. But boy, that's two in a oh, row. Big ones. So Dear listeners, We've you are welcome. <laughs> we have earned this. We have earned this. <laughs> we, have, we have earned this several times over. I'm very excited. There have been some rough episodes we had to watch, you guys. <laughs> there have been. Especially, I feel like, recently. So I am super jazzed about this. Okay, listeners, um, ne- don't forget to follow us on your social media of choice if you desire at Beam3 to Beam Up. You can find us. We trust you. Um, and we will see you next time with Trouble with Tribbles.